for anybody who follows you on social media, you write several times a day on social media, sometimes just a couple of lines, sometimes it's sort of a joke. Other times they're long flowing um, pieces about just what's going through your head. And is that cathartic to you? Is that also how you're helping keep your writing chops going? What do you personally get out of that? Well, there's a few things that I get out. First of all, it's a part of the discipline. To me, a writer is somebody who wrote today. If I don't write today, I don't get to tell you I'm a writer. <laughs> I know that sounds like it's strict, but it, it's just like going to the gym. You know, you got to keep that muscle flexed. Um, the exercises that I do, let's say that are more of an essay or uh, something like that, have a little bit to do about authenticity, right? So I'm trying to find a, a perspective that I can share uh, that is vulnerable or that is heart-driven or, you know, I kind of have a philosophy with social media. I know what it is. I would love it not to be uh, so addictive to all of us. And I would love us not to be so dependent on it uh, when we're bored and all those things. But I say, well, if I'm going to be in it, I may as well be, it's going to be an open scrapbook, right? If I'm going to share something with you, it's not going to be a secret. And it's either going to be humor or heart or humanity, right? At, at this time, that I felt like the comedy writing was superficial in the pandemic. And so I started to try to balance it. Um, and also, you know, it, I didn't want to write in empty, in empty thoughts. So uh, not, not everything I say is for everybody. Um, and, and sometimes I say to people uh, that I'm writing this for me and you can read it over my shoulder. So I kind of know what it's for, but uh, which, which is that I'm not there to create an argument. You know, and also, if you like it or don't like it, it's not, I don't need that at the end of the day. What I need is to wake up and clear my head. Uh, it's something Leonard Bernstein said that he got up in the morning and wrote three bad songs to get them out of the way so he could write the good ones. And that literally, if he didn't get that stuff out of the way, there was no room for that good one. Now, that may or may not be true, but it rings true to me in a way that I go, oh, okay. So if I have other thoughts, if I have things to complain about, or I have something that I need to not think about, I may as well, you know, take it out of the junk drawer and dispose of it, you know? So, you know, it's, it is a little bit of that. I also have so many friends that are creatives that are singer songwriters, that are actors, that are producers, that are whatever, who are going through this. And I do spend a lot of uh, time on the phone with people personally, not as a therapist or a consultant, but I, I feel that if I'm open in my social, I can take care of all those people in one statement. If, if that moment gives them uh, 24 or more hours of thinking of something positive instead of negative. I mean, I try not to be overly syrupy or, you know, um, cloying about it, but uh, I lean towards the positive and I feel like you are what you eat, right? Like if you don't, if you, if you're a person that's a negative person, if you spend all your time barfing stuff back out that you hear on the news or whatever, it, you know, your day is going to be shitty. It's, you know, I don't know what the educational rules are on that word, but, um, but that, that's what comes, what you push into the sausage machine is what comes out. It's just in a casing on the other right. side, you know? Uh, so, a, writing, a writing friend of mine says, uh, if this makes you feel, feel any better, a writing friend of mine says, you're going to write a lot of shitty scripts. You might as well get after it. 
Right. Know, just right. get those out of the way. That's what Bernstein was saying as well. Get the other stuff out of the way and get to what's important there. There was a mentor of mine named Bill, Bill Eidelson. And Bill Eidelson was an old timer writer. He wrote on MASH and Andy Griffith's show and, and all that love American style stuff. He was sort of behind. And he was telling us once in class, uh, a couple of things, but one of them, somebody was saying how uh, cream rises to the top. <laughs> and he said, well, but shit also floats. So like, you know, don't, you know, don't live on that kind of thing. And, and when we would participate in the writing class, he would say, uh, you know, you couldn't, you weren't allowed to come to class without writing something. Like you couldn't participate and you couldn't hear your stuff read between anybody else if you didn't have anything. you like, you needed to be active at that. And then he was pretty good. He was harsh about things, but you, you remembered the lesson. And one of them, when we were reading somebody's, the opening of somebody's thing, there was like a 15 minutes into it, there was a pause and he said, okay, that's not writing, uh, that's typing that we just witnessed. And I, and I was like, what? And he's like, well, the story didn't start till just now when I interrupted you. I don't care what they had for breakfast. I don't care that they had a plaid shirt. I don't care, like, you have to do that work before you start your story. And then when there's a, when the life is in crisis and there's some, like this screenplay starts on page 13, I'm sorry to tell you, but I don't care until the guy loses his job, what he did, you know? And if you're gonna tell me that, then you can tell me later in a flashback if it matters or something. But, you know, knowing when to get in and out of a story is a, a good part of how to tell a good story. Well, that leads in really well to the assignment that our students will have, which is to create a comedy scene of two to three or four minutes in length uh, on any topic. It can be a monologue. It can be a dialogue. It can be, uh, yeah, whatever they want it to be. Um, so best practices, how should someone approach an assignment like that? Because a lot of students tell me every semester, I don't know if I'm funny or not. I don't know how to be funny. So how do they be Well, funny? the first thing is don't worry about being funny. Like don't write and demand you be funny, but you know, create a scenario, create a situation. Um, this, I'll, I'll step back to that Love American Style assignment idea because one thing Bill Idelson did was he gave us old premises for Love American Style and without us having ever seen it. And then he would say, uh, this woman uh, was like um, the one that teaches the apes sign language in Africa and gets bonded with them. She comes back to America and she's in her apartment with her fiance and uh, a gorilla comes to the door, right? Who's become attached to her. Write that scene for next week. And we go away and we write it. And most of the students write the dialogue between the fiance and the woman in the room and the gorilla's banging on the door and the whatever. And he said, you've got to invite this gorilla into the scene. Like you have to take your biggest obstacle and put it right in the middle of the scene, right? And that's comedy comes from that dilemma. It's if you keep things outside the door, if you go, well, I'm not gonna talk about my addiction or I'm not gonna do whatever, then in many ways you're keeping the, the thing outside. So I would say for all writing, um, but particularly in stuff like comedy, uh, you know, face the hard stuff, face something that, you know, is difficult, uh, something you can re relate to because that's, the most interesting thing that's going to happen. Like when somebody tells a story off the cuff, when they come into a room and say, oh, the weirdest thing just happened to me, that's the weirdest thing, right? That's why we're listening. Oh, the, this funny thing happened on the way to work. Oh, you tell me, we'll be the judge of it, right? But 
that's how a start, that's how we get kind of hooked on it. So I would just say, you know, even if you if it's real or not, if you choose a ridiculous premise, you know, em, embrace the premise and try to write it in the most truthful way. I think when you're not writing in a truthful way, then it kind of smells bad, you know? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of funny, weird stuff happening. Uh, it's not wrong to use things that happen in real life because you know how uncomfortable it is. You know, I, I um, don't have a comedy routine about this, but I was asked by an improv group to come and they do a, th a long form of comedy where they invite somebody to tell a story and then they turn it into a whole half hour of improv. If you've ever seen these guys on Netflix, um, what are their names? Uh, two really funny names. I can't remember what, I'll, I'll come up with it. But anyway, they just interact with the audience for a little bit and the next thing you know, they're doing a half hour scene about it, right? Um, so I was asked to do that once and they said, we, we don't, it doesn't have to be your stand-up act. It just has to be some quirky thing that happened to you. Well, I was divorced and my kids had a hamster and I didn't want to be like co-parents of the hamster. And Christmas comes up and my ex-wife asked if I would take the hamster for the holidays. I was like, no, like get a neighbor to feed it or something. Like, and instead of doing that, she took it on the trip to New Orleans on the drive where it was already listless and something and and, the, and it wasn't feeling well and then she suddenly was calling me about what do we do and I'm like I don't I don't know like I was in this weird spot what she ended up doing was taking it into an emergency room in Baton Rouge like a not a veterinary place but a real there was a hundred and ten dollar bill for a looking at a hamster <laughs> that I as a dad I'm like I will pay up to seven dollars the cost of two full hamsters like i'm not you know and i began to tell this story and then i began to imagine the hamster the hamster didn't make it right so then i was like oh well do you bury it in baton rouge or do you you know whatever and i and i was you know my when i was a kid we had popsicle sticks for a cross and we put it in a shoebox and that was that was the end of it but but anyway when this group took that story Suddenly there was the hamster family standing around the grave of the unknown hamster. And, right? and I'm just saying the truth of that first story led to a series of other things, you know, about the, the hamster, you know, the legacy of it, you know, the great trip to Baton Rouge, like most hamsters never get out of the wheel. And this one, you know, made it that far kind of thing. So I use that as an example to say, exaggeration is allowed um you know but really anchoring it on something you understand or you know it's it's okay to be obtuse and take a left turn and all of that but at the core of it don't try to out clever the armature of the story right find a simple story uh it, it can be a love story it can be a something but find something that that at any length of a, of a short thing. If you're writing a feature film, if you're writing a sitcom, if you're writing a commercial, if you're writing a 15 second webisode, what is the story? What does the main character want? What are the obstacles that get in the way? You know, and what is the result? How do they change when you get to the other side of it, right? Tremendously simple idea. Hero, goal, obstacles, right? No obstacles, no story, right? Um, if the Titanic didn't hit the iceberg, we wouldn't be talking about it, 
you know? So it's not like, hey, this boat left on time and it arrived on time and everybody had a good trip. You know what I mean? That was the Love American style pilot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, but I, 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 I think that example at least helps people understand, you know, look at some ridiculous thing that happened in your life, some awkward moment, you know, because it is those moments. It's the proposal. It's the um, quitting your first job. It's the whatever. Those are the moments where comedy and tension arise. Um, and, and, you know, you can find comedy in almost nothing, you know, but you just have to be able to find a point of view. And I don't know, I think personally for inexperienced comedy writers that it's easier to write in dialogue or in a scene than it is as a monologue um, because sometimes it's hard to get that singular point of view out from one person. Um, you know, in, in that case, it's almost more of a commentary. Um, and if you're, uh, the, when I used to write commentaries for NPR, you know, it was often about how many ways can I approach this? Um, like going into the holidays, I wrote a commentary about eggnog and what is eggnog and why do we only nog eggs and why is it only good for 30 days a year? Like if I want eggnog on 4th of July, why isn't it available? And why does it all go bad on January 1 of the following year? And what happens to bad eggnog? Like, does it get you know, taken to the back of the grocery store and relabeled buttermilk and then paraded back to the dairy section, right? Like it's, but you have to be able to flex the muscle of perspective. Where do I stand? Do I like eggnog? Do I not like eggnog? You know, why don't they make veggie nog? Why don't they make, you know, nacho cheese nog? Well, I don't know, right? Uh, why don't they make a home nogger? Why don't, you know, Bob get Marcy and the kids, we're nogging tonight, right? Like you've got to find a way to give yourself permission, I think, to explore the ridiculous in that. Um, and another thing I would say that I find always very valuable is if you start keeping a notebook and, keep, and just writing things down, not just thoughts, but, you know, when we were out and about or we were at an airport or at a, or a class or whatever, you overhear conversations in progress where you don't know the backstory. And it, oh, it, if you really want to know more, that means a good story has started. You know, I've overheard people, uh, somebody at an airport said something like, well, if he wasn't just getting out of prison, I wouldn't even talk to the guy. And I'm like, what? Like, why was he in prison? And why are you interested now? Like, w what happened, right? That's what you want your reader or listener is what, what happened? To, uh, let this unfold. 